This is Living Proof Radio, May 2024. All of our full episodes are available on our Patreon with weekly drops, a Patreon-only radio show, and Living Proof magazine delivered to your house every issue, as well as our entire members-only library backlog. Patreon.com slash York. Thank you again, bro, for coming on the show, man. For Thank real. you so much. Thank man. you guys for inviting me. Yeah, dude. Uh, so I was gonna start this off saying that, you know, a lot of people from from Ecuador they come to America, or it's their dream to come to America, to you know give back to their families, make a better life for themselves, work hard, and like kind of pave their own way with opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't have uh, in Ecuador. And that's kind of like what my family did. My mom and dad came here um, 20 something years ago and with the purpose of changing their life and not going back to Ecuador. So um, when I see someone like you who did what you did uh, against a lot of odds, you know, and it took a lot of hard work, it's honestly very inspiring and, and just, you know, gets me really hyped to see because I know like I've been to the places that that you come from you know what I mean like my family's from there I see it be seen it my whole life and like I understand the attitude that that you can take upon things because that's where you come from so what do you when you look back on that and where you're from and to where you are now and how your life is now with like all of this stuff being able to provide for your family in like a way that literally wouldn't be possible in Ecuador what do you think about that it's just like for me looking back it's like when i set this up like when i told myself like this is what i want to do i just told myself like there's no way out there's no plan b because a lot of people tell you like you should have a plan b or a plan c just in case things don't work but i'm like by having those things i feel like you already put yourself on into a place that you can quit at any time because you already have another option um for me, since I was a little kid, I always think on things like, there's no other option. I want this, that's what I want to I, I wanna go and get it. So I just don't put other plans or other goals besides the one that really won. And, and now that you, everything worked out, everything went through, it's not luck. It's not like casualties of life. It's, it's because I did everything. And when things were getting hard, I kept pushing through. So life never this is a cycle that never stops. I feel I feel the moment you stop is the moment you get behind and you won't get what you want. So why will stop? Like there's always a chance of failure. So might as well just try until the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. First of all, I want to say thank you yet again for coming on the show and uh, congratulations because I know today on this day was your first MMA debut. So that's amazing, man. And like he was saying, my family, too, they migrated here, you know, and America is a funny place because you can have a role in your country and be somebody. But once you come here, it's like it's just you and your suitcase. You know what I mean? Like you it's hard. You got to fight for your way to the top because everybody wants to make it here. You know, it's like the land of opportunity. So it's amazing. You know your story. And you know, thank you, man, for uh, coming on the show today. No, thank you guys for having me. And yeah, like like like, like I said, like. When you come from a from from a small place from a small country, you realize how much you should appreciate everything that's around you. Because a lot of people just just think like, okay, this is this is what I have, cool. But it's like, you know, I think when you appreciate more 
why you're doing things, the purpose you put behind things is like, you just give more value to the results, you know? And, it, and if, if you came up short, you stand up and you keep going. And if, if you get it done, that's just one thing that you achieve. That that's nothing. You got to keep going until the next one. And that's what I always say, is it will never stop. Even if I got the bell in the UFC, doesn't stop there. Like, that's just like, one good night. You gotta keep on going, keep on going. On, and then the moment you retire or the moment you die is when you actually stop. But while you're doing it, it's all in. Mm -hmm. So you think that if from the start you didn't have a plan B, you just you knew it was gonna be fighter 100%? Yeah. And not just fighter 100%, UFC 100%. I, like a lot of people ask me, like, what if if another promotion called you before? I'm like, I'm gonna say no. Mm -hmm. Even if the risk, of getting at least something was going through the drain, I don't care. Like, I didn't work this hard to be in the second best promotion or in the third best promotion. I worked this hard to be in the UFC and one day be a world champion there. Mm -hmm. So what, what was your life like before you started martial arts? I know that, um, you know, you were fighting outside a lot, a lot in the streets. And uh, why were you doing that? Do you feel like that was just your nature? Do you think you were like an angry kid? Like, what was the deal with that? I think it was just nature. I, I couldn't be more happy than I was. I, I think uh, it was just like the adrenaline rush of like, I want to fight and I want to see how good I can do against a bigger guy or a faster guy or a smaller guy. I was just trying to fight. And if there was an opportunity, I was like, fuck it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just jump. At that time, did you know that you wanted to do this for a living? Because, you know, when you parents, you know, naturally they don't want their kid to be you know a ufc fighter like they want a different career for them a doctor a lawyer you know like what did you think about a career opportunity or like you know a certain path that your life was going to take at that time honestly back then i was just fighting and not knowing what i'm gonna do like i i kind of have like a like a energy and a vibe that i thought whatever i do i'm gonna be good at but I, before I figured it out, you, you make money in fighting, I was just thinking, like, I should do fine on whatever I pick. But once I saw Pride, the Force, the UFC, I was like, okay, I have something to go one day. Mm -hmm. But before that, that was just going through the motion. I was just, like, getting on travel in the street, fighting, you know, broken windows graffiti just getting in trouble for no reason but it was a it was the energy i had to put somewhere i just didn't find what was it mm -hmm. and once i saw fighting was an option i was like i literally just turned to the next page forget about my 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 life in the past and just go like i'm not gonna stop until i make it so you started with jiu-jitsu right i started with jiu-jitsu yeah so how, how was that it was really fun like normally like when when people go to a jiu-jitsu class they do like a try they Trial, do yeah. three four classes for free and they figure it out if they like the place i show up with a with a check the six a 60 dollar check and i was like i want to pay for the month and even the person on the racer told me like you don't want to take the try on classes blah 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 i was like nope i'm gonna be a ufc fighter and that person laughed i was like who the fuck you are like what are you talking about and then when I put the gi on, when I started to like the white belt class, the the the, the professor was around. I was like, "Hey man, my name is Chito. I'm training. I'm starting today. I'm ready for the month, and I want to fight for the UFC one day." 
And the guy was like... That's what you said? That's what I said. And the guy was like, do you fight? Do you have experience? Are you a kickboxer? Do you want to learn grappling? I'm like, I never did anything in my life, but I know I'm going to be a fighter. And the guy just laughed, turned around. And you know, it, was a, it, it was a beginner's class. Like, it was me, a couple adults, a couple of kids. Like, no one in there goes sign up for being a UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, sure, if that's what you want, cool. Let me see what you do. And from that day, I was training beginners like kind of like six to seven thirty and seven thirty till nine they kind of like the pro class but like you know black belts purple belts brown belts and the first day i went to the beginners class i stayed to the other class too and he was like kind of like okay you stayed to both classes and you get your ass kicked but you were fighting your ass off so it was like okay and from that day until today i never stopped training or doubt for one second that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. How how was the jiu-jitsu back then in Ecuador? I actually went to Ecuador and I trained in Puerto Viejo. I trained in Guayaquil. And um, it was interesting to see like the stuff they teach and how the stuff is... Some of the stuff's a little bit different. So how was it back then? Honestly, jiu-jitsu back then after Brazil was Ecuador. Like the level was pretty high. There was a couple world champions. There was kids winning in... On, on the lighter belts until the, the the black belt and it was very competitive it was like I think I I grew up in a time that gave me a great base like even if I'm in the ground even if I'm kind of like losing the round I was always able to like do something and figure it out it's because like my, my roots and my beginnings were pretty good mm-hmm. what made you choose jujitsu as opposed to other martial arts when you were beginning you know what I mean I didn't know anything else i didn't know anything like i know box exists karate exists but my neighbor told me like hey i'm training in this gym and seems like you'd like to fight so you want to come and learn for real and I, when he told me that that i didn't knew what he was talking about or like i was like yeah sure let's go to the gym like somebody just took me there and dropped me there and i started training until today but it's not like i saw the gym on the street and i just walk in like it was my neighbor telling me, like, hey, you want to come with me one of these days? And he came with me. He trained that day. He never, he don't really train anymore, but I stay forever. Do you remember um, what your first role was like, your first fruit roles? Did you, did you roll that first class? Yeah. I was just tense and the intensity, I was just like trying to take people down, like, 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 like the typical headlock from a school pushing people away. If I was getting on a number, I would like just cross my arms and mm-hmm. I was just fighting my ass off. I was like really aggressive. I was just like trying to like rip your gear away and it was just the way I was. I was just like trying to fight so hard and I would do every single role on both classes. What what gym was it? What, what, uh, who was the coach? Oh, it was Alliance? Yeah, it was Fernando Suluzo. Mm-hmm. He, when I go back home, I still see him. He's a, he was basically the person who brought, like, real jujitsu to the to the country. And this was in Guayaquil. Guayaquil, yeah. So why did you move from um, from Chone to Guayaquil? My parents, um, my my sister and my brother, they were getting close to finish high school, so they were like, "We need to go to the big city to give them a better education, better place, more opportunities." Because Chone is just tiny. Like, there's nothing really. You got to get out of there if you want to do something big. Mm-hmm. And that was good on our parents. They took us 
out of there. We went to a better school, was able to learn English there. Um, and just, you know, more, better connections, better opportunities, everything. When, when did you start studying English? Right away when I moved out of Chone, I was, I went to fourth grade and I didn't know how to say anything. It was like somebody speaking Chinese to me right now. We were like, wow. Mm -hmm. So it was from zero. At that time, did you know that America was the, the end goal? That that was where you were trying to get to at the time? Mm, at, in fourth grade? I mean, when you first started training jiu-jitsu, oh, you yeah. said you wanted to be UFC I, fighter. I, I knew that I have to get out of Ecuador, but at least I got to get my wings open in Ecuador, like get a couple pro fights, you know, see if, if it was for real, compete a couple jiu-jitsu tournaments, just see if I really have it. Like, I'm just honest with myself. I'm like, okay, like, if I can kick everybody ass around here, I have a chance. Mm -hmm. But there's people that don't really make it and just keep thinking that they can. And then you just become delusional. I think I've been pretty honest with myself since I was a little kid. So you started training, you were training um, at that spot at Alliance. I know you trained there for like a year and a half to two years and then you had your first your first fight at like a mechanic shop. What happened with that? Fuck, that was a mechanic shop that they covered the cars with sheets and the cage was just like regular fencing. It was four walls of fence with a big metal in each in each corner and those are square mats. So like the puzzle mats. The puzzle mats. Yeah. So the the fencing when it was in the ground bends upside down. So it was like a knife. So everybody close to the fence, they came with big cuts that they like guys cut their feet. It was just a random show. There was no permissions or or, or, or paramedics in there. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, hey, 4 p.m. fight. 10 bucks in the entrance. And two weeks before the fight, somebody came to Guayaquil from Quito. They were like, hey, like, we lose a fight. Who want to fight? And they were like, that kid says he want to fight. So they asked me, you want to fight in a couple of weeks? I'm like, sure, let's do it. And they told me, like, don't worry, it's just a kid just like you, another 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid that just practice kickboxing, you practice jiu-jitsu. I was like, cool. When I show up to the show, there was no wings, nothing. I just show up on Saturday afternoon, right before the fight start. And I was like, well, let me look around for a little kid. I was looking around for somebody <laughs> that like me, like skinny, no experience, kind of lost. And I see a lot of grown men, full tattoos. The energy was pretty dense, heavy metal on the corner. I was like, fuck, like, I guess my opponent didn't show up. So I was kind of like leaving. I was like, hey man, I'm out. It's like, what do you mean? My opponent's not here. No, your opponent's right there. Fucking shredded kickboxer, Pan Am's champion, like a guy that's been around, black belt in karate, almost nothing you eat, just a little bit. And they said, oh, he's right there, like fucking corn rolls. I was like, fuck, that guy is huge. <laughs> and then they told me, like, ah, you should be fine. He don't, that guy throw a spinning wheel, could almost take my head off. I was like, fuck, if that didn't touch me, I was dead. I just run to him, double leg him, hit and taking me down. First round, I just wasn't bored. On he took you to, down. He took me down. Okay. He, he just tossed me. He just threw like a typical Euro throw. I was just too small for him. And then in the second round, I end on top, get a number, and I was like, fuck. If that, if we will stand for like 30 seconds, he will probably knock my ass out in another dimension, and I will probably be here today. Mm -hmm. Because 
they didn't tell me we were fighting a man. Did you know any striking? Fuck, not really. Was, was this pure jujitsu? Like, I had something, but not for a guy that competed at kickboxing. No, no, not at all. Did you show up with like a trainer or a coach or was just by yourself? Or? I showed up with um, one of uh, one of the guys that owns a gym over in Ecuador. I said, you to Blackville. So he came with me to corner me, but I was just too green. Like I was just like, I had like a year of training jiu-jitsu. I was a blue belt, brand new blue belt with just wishes in my head that I want to find the UFC. And they told me like, hey, you're fighting another kid. So I was like, sure, that's, that's okay. The guy was a fucking man with real kickboxing fights. Thank God he didn't have any like high level wrestling. He would probably mm-hmm. fucking break my face. So during that time period, were you training mainly in the gi? Were you training no gi? Fully in the gi. Fully in the gi. Yeah, that was like back in the day. Like they they wouldn't like I was told like you do gi until a month before mm. or two weeks before, and then you take the gi off. Like in Ecuador it was Monday through Thursday with the gi. Fridays was no gi. Friday, no one come to no train. No one comes, yeah. Besides me and a couple other people. Mm. Like they were surprised. I don't miss a day of training like in four years. How many how many people at that gym that you were training at were serious like you? Uh, even if it wasn't uh, MMA, but it was just pure BJJ and they're coming every day, twice a day. Like how many people? Like the circle that competes trains until today. There were, there were a couple of guys that make it to Abu Dhabi and did pretty well. Um, but pretty much that whole gym was, was solid. It was like the main gym. And even the guys that didn't compete like for a living they still train today mm-hmm. so it was it was a pretty solid surrounding right there like the coach shop every day good training and and then when i graduated from high school i started training in the mornings too so your schedule before you graduated from high school was like you would get out of school you would just go straight to the gym and just be there till 9 p.m yeah every day i would get out of school around 2 p.m., go home, eat lunch, and just leave the house, grab my gi, and I would walk outside my house, like like a 10-minute walk, then fucking high-check somebody to take me to the main road, and then get a bus, get to the, because it was inside a, a college, get to the college, do like two, the first two classes, one was like a kickboxing class, then a jiu-jitsu class, then advanced class, and just to stay the whole entire day there. And then shower at the end and see who can take me back home. Mm. So what did your what did your family or your people around you think? Because I feel like you hear these stories about, especially back then, and then probably even more in Ecuador, like telling someone you're going to be a professional UFC fighter is like saying like, I'm going to be a professional porn star. Or like I'm going to be Tony Hawk. They're going to be like one in 10,000 people do that. They don't even knew that like they were like they were like what means UFC like you want to be UFC like what is that like I get it you you're kind of crazy you like to fight you 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 get in trouble so they what I think is like they always thought I was starting to avoid college with excuse I was trying to get a couple years ahead of them but you know they, they 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 start finding out like it was for real but at the beginning they were like when I was when I started training I don't remember no one around the city that was like, hey, let's go watch UFC tonight. Like, nobody. 
So that um, that how like the popularity of UFC was so low that I watched probably two times UFC with people over there. Like it was, it, I, I would download it on a on a web and watch it on a Sunday morning on the computer. Like it wasn't like it was on the TV. Mm-hmm. So it was just like people when when you tell like I want to be UFC part, people would like, what is that? Yeah, yeah. Like five years later. UFC was something like okay UFC, but when I told people I want to find the UFC, when I did my first pro fight, it was in high school. So when I came back on Monday to to school, it was like my friends don't even knew I went for a fight. They, people told like oh he's going to a jiu-jitsu tournament. Mm-hmm. I was like no, it was like a real scrap. Like I got in the cage, and when I showed the video, they were like holy fuck you did it! Like you're fucking crazy. And then my, for me it was just like that's my job. Like I want to be in the UFC one day. So where where was your first pro fight? In Quito. In Quito. So I make my parents sign something that that they allowed me to fight, but I told them it was for a jiu-jitsu tournament. Mm. And then I fly out the morning of the fight, get to Quito, no wins, just hang out all morning, eat lunch. And go to the fight. Did you did you get paid? Because I know you were saying you used to do you used to call promotions and tell them you'll fight for free. I get paid eighty nine bucks. Now and then that's the money I pay. Get a taxi to the airport, mm-hmm. eat lunch, come back. I came back with like fifteen bucks. So those those early fights, how different do you think uh, they were and your approach to them was compared to the fights that you have now in terms of like your preparation or maybe like any fighters that you were trying to emulate and you had inspiration from their style. Has that changed over the years? Well, back then there was, it was just instincts. Like what you eat before a fight, how much you rest when you stop training. Like back then was like, I would just train jujitsu or just train any kickboxing. Then I would wake up and run before the boss comes for high school. So like when I fought this first fight, I was running three times a week, like 10 minutes. I didn't knew 10 minutes was nothing. Back then, 10 minutes was like, I was fucking dead because mm-hmm. it's like running is like a different sport when you just grapple. And I didn't know how to eat or what to eat. Like I would eat a, I would eat a McDonald's thinking it's just food. I didn't know a milkshake is bad for you or Coca-Cola. I was just like, it's what normal people eat. Mm-hmm. But I would train every day. So I was, I was in better shape than other people but like the approach from now and then is crazy like now it's like a fully profession what i eat how i eat when i eat it um when i start taper down camp when i stop sparring when i add more hard work or less hard work because i'm getting close to the fight like back then was just like sure uh, i'm fighting so i'm not gonna eat mcdonald's i'm gonna eat a hot dog because it's less fat like mm-hmm. it was really just like like that like i remember like when we were going to the fight in quito i stopped in the pharmacy and bought gatorade and raisins covered with chocolate because i thought that that would give me energy and that was my my, my meal raisins covered with chocolate and a gatorade like right before the fight right before the fight like i would i would think like that was good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you just don't know. Back then, I didn't know anything. Who who were some of the fighters that you would uh, that you would get hyped on? GSP. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I would drill Superman punch from both guards. 
with my front hand, with my with my back hand. And right now I can do that perfectly. Uh, but uh, it was just like, oh, he throws Superman punch. I would do like a thousand Superman punch in the mirror. And that was a training session for me. Have you trained with him? No, I met him for the first time in Vegas when Volkanovski fought Ortega. And, you know, I saw him and it was right before the Frank Gallagher fight. And I came to him and, hey, man, you won't believe this. But when I watch you for the first time, I told myself I want, I'm going to get there because of you. Mm. So believe it or not, you make me a fighter. Like if I wouldn't probably see him, maybe I wouldn't be doing this. Mm. But I, I was just obsessed with the way, the way he fights, how dominant he was, how his people love him. And I was like... And he, he's like a real martial artist because even now that he's not fighting all the time, like he's still seeking out the best instruction. He goes, trains with Donaher. He's always like worried about his health. He's always like doing stuff like fasting, doing stuff like uh, gymnastics, yoga, a lot of flexibility. It's just, that, that, that's when I said like it never stops. Like, yeah, it's okay to retire, but you don't need to become the most unhealthy person when you retire. You're going to still run and you're going to still train and you can grapple as hard as you want. Maybe don't get punch in the head more because it's like there's no reason to spar once you retire but like you can wrestle you can grapple you can run you can lift weights you know he fasts a lot i fast a lot i'm gonna fast right now oh yeah how long uh tonight will be close to 30 hours 30 hour fast so i think i'm gonna just go to 48 mm -hmm. just because at the moment i'm i'm already past being hungry so I've been just drinking coffee and water. So why, why do you fast? For health. Just like, you know, just let my gut rest. Don't put nothing in my body. Especially today is my day off. Just let the body chill. I'm not doing anything that requires energy. I'm not training. And this time before a fight, I stopped doing my 13 or 15 mile run on Sundays because I won't get any better cardio by now, I will just hurt my body. Mm. So going back to that fight in keto, the first fight, how long was it after until you received, uh, you know, that phone call from uh, pretty much the UFC, you know, telling you that this is an opportunity. So what are you going to do? And uh, I heard the story that you like crashed your car or something when you when you heard the I phone hit, call or something. I I was I was taking pictures. My friend took pictures of me with a belt they won in Mexico because I was defending that belt against somebody from the U.S. that had a couple fights in Bellator. So that was a big deal. Like, you're fighting a former Bellator guy. That's my ticket to the UFC. So I leave the photo shoot. My friend was sending me the pictures to my email, and I pick up the phone, and they was like, hey, like, this is the UFC. I fucking hit the corpse so hard. My tire explodes. I was like, fuck. And I was like, hey, if this is a fucking joke, I'm going to kill you. I was so excited. I, I felt something that, fuck, it was a weird, it was it was like a drug. It was something that I was like, when they told me that, my whole body went in shock. I was like, holy fuck, like, seems like I made it. And it was a fucking crazy call. It was, it was unbelievable. And it's like uh, your family was supporting you up until like right before that, right? They were going to say in December, December is like the final line. That's what my dad told me. Like, hey, my, my dad was like, hey, like, I support you. Like, 
with what I have. Like I, I can give you food. I can help you with your daughter. Between your sister and your brother, they help you with your with your rent. Your mother-in-law helps a little bit. So each person of of the direct family was like pitching with something. Like it was it was it, I was like a like a foundation. They would put like a <laughs> hundred bucks per head so I can have food and pay rent. But on me, I don't have a dollar. Like I didn't even have a wallet back then. I don't have a bank account. It was just ID and my phone. So like I would go to my dad's house and be like, yo, you got like five bucks. Like he's like, yeah, five bucks. And I would use that for gas. Because I know there was food at home, but it was even if looks like oh yeah they just pay for everything. I had nothing, so if I wanna you know if I wanna go and I don't know buy a pair of shoes, I was like I can't. I would have to win a fight, and with those three hundred or four hundred I was making, then get something for me or for my wife. But like in the daily basis, there's no salary coming in. Like I was. One point, I was working for the jiu-jitsu coach for Soluso, and I was kind of like his assistant. So I would go and pay bills. I would send emails that the tournament is coming up. I would go and pick up geese that he print, and it that was like a thousand a month. So that was a, a good lot amount. Of money. Yeah, yeah. That was like fuck with that money. Yeah, I felt like I felt like a man. I I, I was able to. Not pay fully, but pitch on my rent, put on, put buy food myself, but it was, it was very limited. It was like, a lot of people would say like, "Fuck this, I'm gonna find a job and I'm not doing this." Because a lot of people offer me jobs, it's like, "Hey, you can work for me in the afternoons, you can work for me in the morning." I would make a couple grand, but then the fighting thing was was over. So I just said like, "Fuck, I'm gonna make it if mm-hmm. you." Don't stop. I'm going to make it. And I just keep telling myself, like, keep going. Don't worry. But then going back to where you asked, my dad told me, like, hey, man, this is the last year. After this, you have two options. Figure it on yourself or work for me. But when you work for me, there's no training four times a day. You work for me. And then you can train when I tell you you're done today. I was like, okay, cool. They fucking called me, like, 10 days before November was over. Wow. Like, and that's nothing I can control. Like I was, I told my dad, like, okay, cool. And then my, w- once my dad back back it up, maybe my sister and my brother will be like, figure it out because they were making eight hundred bucks a month, mm. and they were pitching me fucking ten percent of what they make or fifteen percent what they make. So they're running in low too. And then when they called me, it was just surreal. And that's one of. The, that was a lesson for me because I was like, if I would have stopped a year before, kind of like, oh, this is too much. I won't make it. I'm from Ecuador. Just having a low-level mentality, I wouldn't be here today. F- fucking living the best life I could live. Mm. So that lesson right there was just don't stop. It will come to you. Just don't stop. Because once you stop, you say like, oh... It wasn't for me. I wasn't that good. You become that good if you don't stop. So it's just time. It takes time to create something good. How, how do you think that uh, coming from, from Ecuador, 
going through all the stuff that you went through, literally fighting your way to the top. Like when you, when you, when you are fighting someone like that, like if you win or they win, it makes a huge difference as to who moves forward. Uh, it's like a drastic difference. So how do you think that coming from Ecuador has shaped your mind and your mentality into, into your, your everyday life today? It's just hard to kill in, in anything in life. In adversity will always come. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you do. There will there there will be always bad days. There will be always bad moments. There will be always times you fail because even if you do everything right, even if you push as hard as you push, there can be a guy that just push harder than you, and you know you can control it because you don't know what other people is doing. You can. That's why I really like the me versus me thing. That just become a better version of myself consistently, like. The most important thing is consistency. Like if you stop, then you stay behind, then you stay below. So having that inside me, it brought me here. And that's why I can fight the way I fight because I've been in many fights and with guys that I was thinking like, okay, this guy's a better fighter than I am. But there's always a way around. There's always a way to break the guy. There's always a way to, you know, you can take his soul away. That's a, that's a real thing, and my spirit is just—it's just very strong. But it's because I, I'm putting constant work into that. I'm putting constant work into my mind, like just don't break. Somebody will break, but that can't be you. So when you're fighting, and uh, let's say there's like a three-round fight, and the first two rounds maybe you feel like you lost, you don't have any doubts that come into your head when that's happening, and then you win by, via knockout or something like that. I just, I just keep telling my to myself like there's time in that fucking clock like just figure it out remain focused but fucking go crazy in a way so i really have that i've been down two rounds before and a ko or submission came in the third but it's it's because when fighters are winning they think or they expect you to be broke that won't be my case like i can be losing a fight there, I cannot control if the fighter is better than me or if you just have a little better technique in some spots. But being broke is not an option. Like throwing the towel is not an option. So it's like, you. that's why I say you better kill me because if you're done, I'm going to come after you. And then that's a mind game. Then somebody got to break. And then if you decide that you're not the guy breaking, then the other guy is fucked. Yeah, man, hearing you talk about this whole experience is, I can't even imagine the mindset you were probably going into your your first debut in America because essentially you were fighting for your life, meaning your new life, you know what I mean? Because let's say if it didn't work, then you would have had to, you know, work for your dad or stay essentially in Ecuador. Maybe fighting would have went out the window. So, like, was the mindset going into that first fight, like, I'm doing this for everything I have, you know? Like, because I read somewhere where you even had to go alone you had to leave your family your wife and kid you know back home for that yeah that was when when they called me to do the ultimate fighter i left for like a couple months but you know i will i i never left the country before so you just you know they just put you in a plane like you're you're, you're gonna train at jackson's mma and you're gonna you know figure it out and if you're good enough we'll put you in the ultimate fighter You've never been out of your house. You've never been out of your country. You never had a job before. It was just like, okay, fuck, I'm a fighter. 
and they throw you in the best gym in the world back then and you're around like superstars john john's around cowboys in his prime like you got all these guys in there and you're just like fuck what i'm doing here i was getting tossed around every day i was getting my ass kicked but i just kept coming i was like fuck because over there no one tell you what to do they tell you the times they train if you show up or not up to you I show up to every single fucking class, knowing that I was losing every single moment of that sparring. And I was like, fuck it. If I don't push here, going back like a loser, fuck that. I will, I will, I I just, I wouldn't say I will regret that just because I wouldn't even accept that. I can't do that. It's just not inside me. What were you thinking when you were at Jackson's and, and you were losing all the rounds with everybody? Because what you want to do is you want to become champion. I I knew my level was low just because I, I wasn't training with any pro fighters or any high-level coaches in MMA. There was good jiu-jitsu. There was good wrestling, good boxing, but separate. But I never, you know, I never sparred with a real fighter in my life. I was a real, real fighter sparring with a kickboxer or a boxer, but they weren't like in the high level. They weren't like fighting for a lot of money or things like that. So I never had that um, that feeling of, of of turning with a real fighter. So when I moved to Jackson's, I was like, I was like, fuck, like this is just too hard. I I couldn't defend a takedown. I couldn't stop getting submitted. And in the sparring, I would have to just fucking go to war to kind of like figure it out but my level was just low but there was something that i feel i had that it was like i just i just i just know i have what it will take me to get there and you can teach that my heart was like strong i will have cardio i would do a lot of conditioning on the side kind of like to match the technique i didn't have so i just figured it out in a way like I just never stopped pushing I was just like okay like run harder lift heavier like I don't know figure it out wake up earlier and hit the bag on your own like just little things that make me believe I was matching up with everybody I was I was I was leveling up with everybody like literally doing every single small thing you could possibly do that maybe the other people who might be technically better uh aren't doing yeah like I, I would like pay a conditioning coaching on the side i would pay the coaches from jackson on the side to hold me for me i would like fucking ask questions like hey man can you help me i feel i fucking suck but i really want this it's a weird thing to say but i was just honest i was like hey man i'm getting my ass kicked but i really will give my life to be a ufc fighter so like help me like tell me what to do so what was it like uh coming to America when you hadn't really left uh, Ecuador too much and then living here and then not only living here, but you're, you're, you, you want to give your life to be a UFC fighter and that's what you're doing and you're, you're doing it. You're among those people. You're seeing them, you're sparring with them. You're at the place where it's the best of the best. What was going through your head and you're away from your family. I, you know, I know your family means a lot to you. So what was going through your head? It was, it was a trip. I was like, I was, I was sad because I was away I was sad because I didn't, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to fucking do anything. I was like, fuck. I'm over there. It's like, you're in dorms. The gym is downstairs. So you got to like 
buy your own food, cook your own food, and you don't have a friend there. You you show up, you say like, hey, what's up, guy? I'm the new guy, and they they're kind of like, cool, yeah, fuck off, like we don't know you yet. So it's like everything was just like even right there, people will break. People will like, fuck, this is not for me. I don't know how to treat other people. I don't like. I was like, where's my bed? They they told me like, there's no bed for you. Like you sleep in the corner. So you gotta kind of like literally earn things. I was like, fuck you. I'm gonna take this bed. Kind of like, you gotta like, if you just get to a place that you're new and you just like sit and kind of like let everybody tell you what to do, you probably don't go far. So you gotta like kind of like, kind of like in a way stand up for yourself and have a voice. And I was like, okay, half told this is mine. Fridge is for everybody. Respect the rules. I don't eat your shit, don't eat my shit. So I was, I had like a strong mindset going to it, but I just didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. That was my first time doing something like that ever. So how long did you train in that in that gym until you until you had that fight where you heel kicked him from from the bottom? Um that was like four to six months of training and then they sent us to the ultimate fighter. It was a crazy experience. I went from being in a gym, nobody knew who I was to go to the ultimate fighter. They lock us in our rooms because that's kind of like the thing, like they know what, no one can see who's the ultimate fighter guys. So we spent like 10 days inside a hotel room with the rule if you came out of your room, they kick you out. So you guys order room service and it's in your room. There's no fucking TV. Hotels don't have to be like, you're watching news or that's it. So you're literally just sitting by yourself kind of like, okay. Hey, I'm gonna do this or not. So I use the time kind of like just to reflect on things. Like I was like, fuck how far I am, how happy I'm to be here. And when they lock me in that cage, it's still death. I'm not I'm not gonna fucking give up in there. Mm. So you win that fight, and then I know that because of the weight cutting problem, there was some there was some issue, you couldn't continue anymore. The doctor told you you had like rashes or some shit all over. Yeah. So um, eventually, like I saw that fight where I think it was in Mexico, right? And you walk out, you start like crying when you see the screens and you ended up losing by decision. What What did you think when you when you lost? Because that was like your official UFC debut, right? That was heartbreaking. Like I just couldn't believe I lost the fight. I was like everything I do until this moment for nothing. I was like my life is over uh, and I just didn't have like maybe the right people around me, but that's also on me. I, I'm the one that picked that people. So I never came with excuse to do anything. I still believe in I won that fight, but doesn't make anything different because you can never change that. But losing that fight told me like, remind me how much I hate losing because losing your UFC debut was like, I really thought my life was over. I was like, I will never make it. But then how you rebuild from those things, it's also what will set you up to how far you you will make it. So literally the next day I told myself like, fuck that, like, like it's just not acceptable that, especially like close decision like that. I was like, I need to do something. I need to figure it out. I need to like find a way and just push myself a little harder, just put my, my mind in the right place and, and and keep and keep trying because if you 
if you stop trying you're fucked so just keep trying do you believe that let's say undefeated fighters in the ufc or in general are missing that experience of losing not really like it's just in mma it's just hard to know like you you have guys that i came to the ufc with six and one that's nothing not an amateur record not a pedigree like a jiu-jitsu world champion or a high-level wrestling. I was a normal guy that decided, fuck, I want to be a fighter. And look at how far I made it. And then you have guys that are undefeated, get to the bell, and after that, they fucking lose 20 fights in a row. So fighting is so individually and so hard. Like, we need to cut so much weight before to use are full board in a fight. Like it's almost like fighting is the most uh, physical thing ever. And you need to kill yourself the day before the fight. So like on fighting, nothing makes sense. You have, you see guys that you like young uh, example, Jan Wahovic at the beginning of his career, no one ever thought he could be a world champion. No one, no, that's, he was like three and five and shit like that. And he become world champion. It just, fighting is just a weird thing. And no one knows what people is going through. No one knows. You can really lose a fight in the wake or in the locker room if something happened and you just don't realize that happened. That's why I believe the mindset is the most important thing that you can ever have in, in fighting. And a lot of fucking cardio because you just don't know. You can be the best kickboxer on planet Earth. You run out of gas. There's nothing you can do. So it's just hard to know who's going to do good or bad in, in this game. And that's why I train so hard because it's just every year there's 10 new guys that want to take your head off. There's better people. There's just better fighters coming out. So it's just too hard to know. It's really hard to to, to read MMA for the future. It, it's really crazy. Um, You know, there's no like clear cut path, especially uh, coming from Ecuador, how you can become a UFC fighter. There's no like, for example, oh, you want to be a doctor, you go to this school, then you do this and then you do this, you sign this paper, you get this score and up and you're in. There's like none of that really. And to, you know, just find your own way through hard work and then opportunity and seizing the opportunities by just always being ready. And then, um, you know, I, listening to you talk about how your whole family would would throw in some money so you could continue training, continue training. Well, first of all, that's honestly beautiful because it's like real support from family when like no one in Ecuador, like you said, like knew what that was. Uh, so for them to be giving part of their salaries is really good. And then to turn it around and then really actually make it and then be in the UFC, be fighting, be fulfilling your dreams, be giving back, uh, be supporting your family. It's like a full circle. It's, it's really crazy to, uh, even just hear about like from an outsider's perspective, you know, when, when you go to Ecuador now, um, like I went to, I went and I went all over the place and I see like your picture and, and stuff like all over the place. When you go there, what do you think now? It's, it's wild. Like it's kind of like feels weird to go back because it's almost like you already know you already, you can feel the energy of you. Like even from the airport, how, People get fucking crazy when they see me and stuff like that. It's it's the best thing to feel support like that, but it's also 
hard because you got to deal with that everywhere mm. and you can never tell that people like hey fuck off or hey i don't i don't want to fucking talk to you have a bad day because that that's the people that won't see you probably in a couple of years so you gotta you just gotta know how to, how to handle that and my coach probably does a great job and always talking about those things like like doesn't matter how you win or lose your last fight it's how you handle that and then when you win how you handle that until the next one because sometimes you think oh how cool I look on my last one is how cool I'm gonna look in my in my next one. It doesn't work like that. So you gotta that's what it says like never ends. So that's what going back to Ecuador and see that people coming at you, you just gotta figure that out. It's like part of the job. It's part of the job. You gotta know how to handle it. You gotta like in a way give love back to the people because that's the people that really is making you popular. Like without that people, you're just a guy that no one really gives a fuck about you. So you it, it's a, it's a, it's a business that brings a lot. You're still a professional athlete. You're not a rockstar, but in a way, you end having a rockstar life just because everybody likes the guy that kicks ass. It's cool. I think everybody likes a fighter. You put Mike Tyson in a room, everywhere, every, everyone's want to shake his hand. So it's just something that fighting brings, and you don't know how to handle that until you become successful. Mm-hmm. And then once you become successful. If you don't handle that correctly, you go back to where you start. So it's a, uh, that's what with fighting is so weird because so many fighters do well when they're under the lights, but at some point the lights will come to you and it's either you do it right or you fuck. So it's a weird thing. Yeah. So one of the things that I was thinking is like people probably look, uh, at someone who's a professional fighter and it looks like, okay, they show up, they just train every day, chill. Um, there's no like, you know, they might not see the other side of the parts that are annoying to deal with. And that's something I wanted to ask you. What are some of the things that uh, being a professional fighter are like annoying to deal with aside from like the weight cut? There's the fans that essentially like, especially probably for you in Ecuador, like you're like a national, like essentially a national pride of Ecuador right now. Like, um, so what are some of the things that you don't really like about being a professional fighter? I don't I don't think I dislike anything. I think I like I just love it. I love what it brings. I love how I think what I like the most is how much you put in the line. You can really be the coolest guy on Saturday night or you can be the biggest loser on Saturday night. So it's it's just that risk or having a lot is what I like the most. Mm. Because you're how MMA works, you lose a fight, you're fucking done. Like mm. the way people write you off, the way the media talks. But when you win a fight, even if you were losing the whole fight, people just like, holy shit, we knew that was coming. People just talk on their result. And I just like that much of pressure of lines. That you can be you're never in the middle. You're on the you're even the left or the right. Like it's just and things I don't like. I don't think there's anything I don't like. Maybe the Waco thing, just because it don't make sense. But fighting on your walking around way will never happen. So you, gotta, you think it will never happen? Not in my time. Like I just think, why don't fight what you weigh normally? But most fighters don't treat themselves like athletes. They get pretty fucking fat. So you will have a lightweight probably fighting a heavyweight. Like I'm not even kidding. Like. When I see guys out of camp, I'm like, holy shit, like, 
it's just it's just weird the way like most fighters after a fight get fucked up for like 20 days drinking eating like shit partying i'm like in my in my mind that's the week that you gotta treat yourself the best you just you just fucking punish your body for many weeks spar so hard get into a wake up get into a fist fight after that is you should treat your body the best mm. but mma is just fighters think they're fighters but you gotta somehow act like an athlete and treat yourself better because you will retire one day and if you see older fighters they look like shit sometimes yeah i remember seeing uh i forgot who said it but they said like you can notice every single piece of cake somebody eats you know what i mean if they're training yeah but uh, i wanted to ask you how do you balance um you know social media and all this publicity in your everyday life you know from trying to be like peaceful to handling all the messages and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff yeah yeah uh honestly i just i just really don't like whatever i create right whatever big amount of my name can be or whatever amount of fame i can have i'm like that's good in a way that gives me a job that bring me sponsors that keep me relevant but I try to live the day to day and not think that that's me. Like who I am is the is a person that is always smiling, the guy that always is around by good people, by friends, by family. That's who I am. I feel I'm a happy person that love what he's doing and I'm enjoying life regardless regardless of what happened on my on my job. That cloud, that noise I create by being a fighter, by putting on nice KOs or putting on good performances, I don't leave that. Uh, the fans, they leave that because that's what they know about me. They're like, fuck yeah, like, I like what you did last weekend. I just don't put myself under that cloud. I just keep myself in the open. Like, I think I'm a normal person. I think I'm a fucking human being, like any other. That's why when I'm going to a fight, I don't create monsters of my opponents. I'm like, that motherfucker got two arms, two legs. We're the fucking same. If I work hard enough, I'm going to kick his ass. So I like what Alessandra always talks about, like, fuck the noise. At least what I understand about that is, like, keep the fame and keep all the bright lights away from me. At least away from my mind. Don't let that go to my head and think I'm fucking God and treat people like shit and just walk on top of people. For me, it's just like I'm a human being. I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm gonna good do things. I'm gonna good do great things, but it's just living life normal. Like just have a good time and think the way I I've been thinking this whole time. If you work hard, things come to you. If you keep the consistency, good things come to you. And be who you are. Never forget who you are because. It's easy to forget who you are when you got all the lights on top of you. You can put on, on a mask, on a persona, but that won't last forever. That will be very momentary. The moment you lose, all that goes away. When I lose sometimes, nothing goes away. My friends don't go away because I keep the, the same good people around me. I'm not jumping into circles because I'm becoming cooler than a couple years ago. I, know, I, I met new people. I met really cool fucking people. But if they're real, if I feel we're in the same in the same page, we can we can have a good time. If not, it's just it was great to meet you, but it's just 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 don't forget who you are. 
how much has uh having having a family having children affected you uh and what exactly how much do they mean to you how much does it influence your training when you're training are you thinking about them when you're fighting are you thinking about them uh how is it for me like i don't know other way right like i'm not a single guy going around town so having a family it's almost like all i know because i had my family in my when i start so i i started pretty young my wife got pregnant when she was 17 so i don't it's almost like i don't know life without a family and i don't think give me any any anything negative or any bad things from having it i just feel like i grew up in a good family so it's helped me to have an, a, a great family myself and the thing i always think about is like if i had a, a good life growing up I'm going to give them nothing less than that. Mm. If I can, I would do it better, but can be less than what I, what, how I grew up. So, you know, I don't really think on anything when I'm training or I'm fighting. I, thoughts came and go, but having a family definitely helped me to keep myself on trail, to keep my feet on, on, on earth because... I don't want to show them any negative things about me. I don't want to. I don't want to show a, a really negative example for my kids. And the best thing I can do on them is just create a better version of myself. And you can do that if you put on a mask when you're on camera, or put on on a persona when you are on TV. That, that they will be like, oh, it's okay to be a fucking idiot. So cool. I'm gonna go to school and just you know be a, an asshole. And that's one thing. Of course, I'm not perfect, but I try. Just be kind to everybody and just put in a smile on everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what you own, people is people. So just be good to people. What are your thoughts on, you know, the state of the world and having children? Do you want your son to learn martial arts or, you know, your daughters or like, what are your thoughts on all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, they train you YouTube for like four years. Uh, they like it. They've, they've been going in and out in the last year. I don't really push them to do much. I like them to pick something and do it because no one pushed me to anything in life. Besides, you know, telling me the right things or correcting me if I, if, if I make a mistake. But training-wise, it's just, if they're feeling it, I take them. I won't push them. And, you know, the world is always changing. The world is always, you know, there's drama here and there. There's new ways to live. There's... Mm, People, everybody thinks different, right? I just try to give a good example at home. So whenever they get out of the house, they they can detect and figure it out what's good and bad. And you can really control a kid when walks out of the door. Because I remember when I walk out of the door, I was fucking far away from home. Like I could do whatever I want. No one will ever know. But I was just thought about, hey, what's good and bad. And if you fucked up, Remember, you're going to eat shit. So I just try to tell them there's a good side and a bad side everywhere. So just be aware and and pick the best. Uh, What do you have planned for the future? I know that you train with Perillo. I know that you train at uh, with the Mendez Bros. I saw you went to train at New Wave in in Austin, Texas with Donaher. Uh, Do you have any plans for like after fighting or... Do you not think about that? Because that's like the plan B type shit. Um, 
I really don't think about it, but in a way, you you always do things on, you know, on, on what you want, how how you want to do life after. Me and my wife eventually we would like to have a coffee shop. Mm. I like cool coffee shops. I have coffee shops that have really good coffee, like legit good coffee. And the way I live is pretty clean. So I will have, I'm going to have, you know, good snacks, maybe juices. So that's something that we've been thinking for years. We, we just haven't pulled the trigger on it, but it's because I'm so focused on my career. But my, I don't really have any plans after fighting because I, I'm already doing commentary. Mm. That's an after fighting thing. Um, I'm really not worried. I'm very confident I'm going to win the bell and success will open every single door out there. So I'm not really thinking past what's in front of me. And right now I have a fighting couple of weeks. So that's all that matters to me. Like, I don't like to overthink with what's next because then you forget to live now and it's a it's a silly thing when everybody does a IG caption for everybody, oh, leave it now. But most people just say it and think it's cute to say it. I really mean it. Like, when I say leave now, I'm like, I'm right now doing this fucking podcast, which is it's cool. We're having a good conversation. I don't like to think too much ahead. Well, I want to say, uh, yo, thank you for, for coming on the show it is honestly an honor and it's uh very inspirational to hear your story hear your words hear your mindset and uh your humility because uh although you like have fame and all this all this stuff like you know i don't know you personally this is my first time meeting you in person and every interaction i've had with you has been of a uh, a real person you know what i mean not like someone who's been uh i guess clouded by fame and stuff so I want to thank you for that and um, also being an inspiration to a lot of people who come from Ecuador and a lot of people who were just not even Ecuador, but uh, like South America and people who come from less and feel like they can't when they see you, they feel like they feel like they can, you know, so um, it really does mean it really does mean a lot to me. And um, I wish you nothing but luck with with your family. I wish you nothing but luck with this fight that's coming up. And um, I think things are going to go your way, man. I feel like you have a really good mindset, a really good mentality of, uh, like you said, hard to kill, uh, and work ethic. Most of all, you always talk about immigrant mentality. So thank you again. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And just, you know, I can repeat everything Angel just said is, <laughs> you know, I agree with everything and, uh, good luck on your fight, man. And once again, thank you so much for just, you know, us being human in a way, you know what I mean? And, uh, that's what we are. And thank you it. guys. Thank you, Absolutely, man. Yo. Peace. Appreciate it, brother.